Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Opal, Drogheda to Dorkin Cavan. Discover the all-new Opal Mocha, featuring Opal's iconic new signature visor, stunning Opal Pure Panel, and a choice of petrol, diesel, or fully electric. The new Opal Mocha is less normal, more Mocha. Visit BlackstoneMotors.ie. You're very welcome to Wednesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. I'm in the man cave again today. Yes, I am. COVID. But good news. Good news, folks. I tested early this morning and it's negative, 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 negative. I am just delighted. 48 hours to freedom. I can't wait. What a gorgeous afternoon it is. I hope you're enjoying the weather and you're hearing news, of course, of the uh, impending very high temperatures coming into next weekend and early next week. It's all good, but very hot. It's going to get and late lunch hot for the next couple of hours and we're delighted to have you along with us this afternoon if you want to get in touch 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text gets us to the show here if you want to say anything or join in the conversation now we begin the show today with a topic that's hot off the press especially since last weekend you see, the Irish Athletic Boxing Association, IABA, uh, they have clubs right across the northeast and through the country, north and south, had an EGM in Roscommon. You've heard, you've heard all about this, haven't you? And uh, it was with a view to reforming the organisation because the government insisted no reform, no money, 15% cut immediately in funding with perhaps no state funding at all for boxing clubs from 2023. They met in Roscommon but they didn't go along with the recommendations or the will of the government. At that meeting, he's a lifetime in boxing. He's a very good friend of ours on LMFM Radio. I'm delighted to say hello again to Jim Gorman from Holy Family Boxing Club in Drogheda. Hello, Jim. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. You were at the meeting yourself the weekend, Jim. I was indeed, yes, and give uh, some good contributions to it. But Jim, when you look at the outcome, you know, going into the meeting, everybody knew what the government's position was, Sport Ireland, reform, like happened the FAI, you know, a couple of years back there. They had no choice. They had to do what was asked of them by the government. They did. They voted it through and they're trying to move on from that time. But this was rejected out of hand by the clubs, Jim. Why? It was rejected, Jerry, 105. Sorry, 80 to 25 rejected uh, proposals put down by the Board of Directors and the Board of Irish Boxing because the clubs have no trust whatsoever in the IABA. They are not going to be bullied or threatened. We were told going down to that meeting in Roscommon by the Minister for Sport, Mr Jack Chambers, and by Sport Ireland. Either accept these reforms or we will pull your money. So how do you sit down and negotiate under a threat straight away? So there was 105 people voted at that meeting. And 80 voted against their proposals and 25 voted for. So it was thrown out, lock, stock and barrel. But Jim, I have to say to you to take up on that point, the the FAI were in exactly the same position. You know, they had no choice. They had to go along what the government wanted to reform the organisation if they were to continue to rely on state funding. What's wrong? Why You say the clubs don't trust the IABA, but then it looks like they don't trust the minister of the government either. Correct. Um, the, the sports people, Sport Ireland, they are going to withdraw funding. They withdrew no funding from Holy Family Boxing Club because we got no funding from them. 
Mm. And can I tell you, Gary, we have two boxers, international boxers, boxing the World Championships last year, boxing the European Champions this year. One of them never got a penny funding from Sport Ireland. The other lad, he's a young lad with a 12-month-old baby expecting the second baby. Last week, he got £600. And he's travelling to High Performance Unit in Dublin, funded by the Sports Council, and he's handed 600 quid. So, I mean, Jerry, there's money from Sport Ireland. Where is it? Who's getting it? We got none in Holy Family Boxing Club as a club. But surely your IABA association, who are funded, uh, you know, distribute the money. They can tell you where the money's going, Jim. We haven't told nothing, Jerry. For the, the, the whole crux of this is Leinster Council withdrew support to Irish Amateur Boxing Central Council because you couldn't get answers. You couldn't get answer. They wouldn't answer phone calls. It was a total breakdown with the clubs and the board. I mean the boxing board, not the mm. board of directors. So one hopped off the other. So Leinster withdrew their support to the Central Council, Connacht withdrew their support, and Dublin County Board to a man. What happened then was IABA suspended 25 members of the groups that withdrew. I was one of them. I was barred from boxing, along with the rest of the people. And we sat there in with a, a, a sports resolution board. There was no communication all along the line. Everything was thrown in the bin. We were barred. The, the election of officers couldn't be held at an AGM because some of the men standing for positions were barred from the association. So eventually the sports resolution sat down went through the whole process and came up with a conclusion that we had no questions to answer. We were not guilty of any wrongdoing. So the process then went on. Um, We had to take legal action, pay legal people, and we won our case 100%. And you were reinstated? We were reinstated with a sting in the tail, Jerry. Um, because there was a confidentiality clause put on by the sports SIDI, somebody leaked something to the press. So the cost then, we lost the cost. And I now have a bill of £2,000 personally on my head for seconding a proposal at a Leinster Council meeting. But Jim, isn't this the crux of the matter? Isn't the minister and the government saying, and I heard uh, the lady from Sport Ireland on the news, I think it was just yesterday on the main evening news, saying that the IABA is not fit for purpose. Are they not batting for you guys, the ordinary clubs and members, in insisting there be reform at the top? Yes, Jerry. But reform has started on Sunday within the association. Nine months ago, there was an AGM and the IABA Central Council refused to open the ballot boxes because they knew there was going to be a clean-out of the people who were not doing their job properly at the top in Dublin. So they opened the ballot boxes on Sunday and there's 13 people between the president down to the eight-man board. Eleven of those people were rejected by the Boxing Association members. We have now 11 new people on that, including a new president and including a couple of young, vibrant boxing people who are now on central council. One being Damien McKenna. He got 149 votes. Mm. So that there gives a message. Every 13 people who were on that council 11 of them were rejected by the people. So you're saying that there's a new brush 
a new broom sweeping clean, should I say, that 11 new people are in there and democracy has prevailed, including, I have to mention her because she was to join us today, but I know she's had a meeting, Antoinette Faye McLean uh, from Navin, who's the new secretary. Jerry O'Mahony is your new national president as well, plus nine others. So are you now, as a man who's given his life to this sport and loves it passionately, do you believe that reform is happening? Reform started last Sunday evening in Roscommon when the ballot box was opened. There's a new president, there's a whole new officer board from the top down and, and then the rest of the council are new except one. So we want change. We want democracy. We don't want dictatorship. We don't want to be told, listen, either walk down that road or I'm going to suspend you. That, that's the attitude came out of Dublin. It came out from the champ, from the Mr. Chambers, came out from Sport Ireland. It came out from the CEO of Irish Boxing. And it came out from the chairman of the board of directors. Either accept what we are putting down the front of us or the funding's all, funding's all withdrawn. Now it's Jim. a new day. Sunday starts a new day. I spoke to the president on Monday morning. Full of beans, ready to sit down. Antoinette say is going to be an excellent secretary for the people. So mm. they are sitting in Dublin at the moment. Yes, and that's why I say again, she's not with us today. She was to join us and, and uh, along with yourself. But Jim, I have to ask you this. Really, the package the government want and Sport Ireland, it's really all or nothing. They want all to apply and not pick and choose from the menu. What do you say to that? Well, I said, Jerry, there's 330-something clubs are registered in Irish boxing. 338, yeah. Right. Two, 238 voted for the um, change of office as a whole lot. 105 voting delegates attended the meeting. So that's mm-hmm. given an answer to IABA, Sport Ireland and the Minister. We are not accepted. They threw out a 64-page McNeese report. I would say 85% of people in boxing in Ireland never seen the report. Don't know what's in the report. And McNeese, who did he get all these findings from? I know one or two people that he interviewed. And he as much as threatened them into saying... Do this or do that or do the other. They never came to Holy Family Box and come to look for, for our views on the new reforms. Well, I'd have to say, Jim, yeah, in his defence, Mr. McNeese, that we, that's you're hearing that and that's your opinion only. We, we can't say that, that he, he actually threatened anybody because that would be wrong to say. And that we have to take that as hearsay at the moment. I just want to say that on that point uh, that you made there. Now, look, I want to come back to this. Um, you mentioned there 338 clubs, uh, but there were only 101 clubs, am I right, attended that meeting the weekend? 101 clubs entitled to vote at the meeting. Sorry, every 300 not entitled to vote, 101 voted. That is only 39% of the organisation. Where are the rest? The rest. I fed up with the situation. A lot of them don't care. They go along with the status quo. Um, the McGee support, some of the clubs have never even seen it, don't even know what it's about. That's really shocking to think that there's so many absent and not there at a crucial time. And the other thing, Jim, that struck people... Um, EGMs and AGMs, this was voted on, can't happen in Northern Ireland, yet boxing is an all-Ireland sport. What's the story with that? The vote on changing the Constitution to allow Congress, as it stands, the AGMs, our EGMs, have to be held in the 26 counties. So there was a motion down to allow Congress be held in the 32 counties of Ireland. I don't know how it happened, whether people didn't understand the situation, but there were 65 votes for it and 35 against. Uh, I was shocked it happened. It shouldn't have happened. And it will be rectified in the next, I would say, in the next three or four weeks. Because yes. north, south, east and west, we are a 32-county organisation. Yes. And the boxers in Ulster Officials in Ulster, the people in Ulster, 
are wonderful people. We interact with them, we travel up and down with them. So there was a misunderstanding somewhere along the line and it will be rectified. I mean, there was other meetings held up in Belfast through COVID and all that. Yes. And even meetings held up in Dundalk during COVID. Probably they shouldn't have been held, but they were held. So there's no animosity towards Ulster. Ulster is part of Irish boxing 100%. And they have contributed so much, of course, over the years. Jim, just before we finish up, right, uh, we're listening to what you're saying and you're respected as a man of boxing all his life, passionate about it, deeply passionate, given a lifetime to it. You say to me that reform has begun in Roscommon at the weekend. The Minister and Sport have said now you've got a new deadline, September, to acquiesce to what they want. Do you honestly believe that you can progress this with Sport Ireland and the Minister to stop this leakage of much-needed funding to the organisation. Is that going to happen? Do you believe it can happen? It will happen. It will happen because now there's a new central council in. Soon there will be new board directors in. They are not dictators. And it will happen. But again, I ask the question, Gary, what funding have they withdrawn if it happens from Holy Family? Hmm. We didn't and get I'm, any funding. Yes, we and I, I were clear on what you said earlier on, for sure, and it is minuscule what you've got, and in particular those two boxers you mentioned. But look, uh, as I said to you, that is a question that has to go back to the IABA themselves and is in the mix, I'm sure, in this whole situation. Jim, you do a fantastic job, not just at Holy Family, all the boxing clubs across the northeast and the country, and the honour that you've brought to this nation through the Green Singlet over the years has been unbelievable without you I don't know what we'd have done uh, at Olympic Games European Championships World Championships and really to see this happening is uh, really disturbing I wish you well and everybody concerned and let's hope that boxing moves on from this with funding from the state that it desperately needs Jim thank you for joining me today Jerry may I wish you well you're in the in the man's cave, we're out here in County Mead and it's 20 degrees up on the Nord Road. But watch, watch the space, Jerry. We yes, have we three high-performance boxers, senior level, where you've won under-18 young McKenna at junior level. Watch the space. We will They're be on the very way. top again all over Ireland and all Great over the stuff. world if possible. Jim, lovely Thank to you. talk to you. Thank you for taking the call today. Take care of yourself. Bye That's bye. Jim Gorman there from the Holy Family Boxing Club in Drogheda. Well, if you have anything to say or a comment to make, don't forget you can get in touch with us on the show today. 086-1800-658. The FAI must be smiling. They're uh, off the pedestal of reform for the moment. They dropped down to second uh, place in, in the pyramid. But uh, let's hope boxing can resolve all the issues that they face. Late launch, LMFM Radio. Stay with us. Wednesday's child is full of woe. Not so of your Shane Dunphy, good friend of ours on late lunch. He's joining us after two and he has great news. I'm looking forward to catching up with him. Coming up on late lunch after that, well, we're going to meet two young ladies from Mead who are vying for Miss Ireland and more besides coming your way between now and 3.30. But taking us up to news, weather at two o'clock on Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Here is One Direction and the story of my life. Written in these walls are the stories that I can explain. I have to tell you, I'm delighted to have a catch up now with my next guest. He's an author, musician, journalist, teacher, child protection expert, dad and granddad. And may I say a young one at that. He's a very good friend of ours on Late Lunch. And he returns today with great news about his first ever book. It's called Wednesday's Child. And it's about to take on a whole new lease of life. Shane Dunphy, hello again. Hey, Jerry. How are you keeping? I'm really good. I'm in my den here, Shane. I'm in the den. I heard, I heard. You're, 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 you're operating from home, working from home at the moment. <laughs> I'm back here and I spent seven months at it back in 2020, but there you go. I had an old brush with, with the COVID. You know yourself, sure. It was inevitable eventually. Exactly. Do you have the slippers on? Um, I'm not commenting on that. I'll leave that to people's <laughs> imaginations on the airwaves today. Fair how enough. I'm fixed no here. Worries. No, no. 
<laughs> I have the runners on Shane for sure, but there you go. Anyway, oh, it's lovely, you go. <laughs> lovely, lovely to talk to you again. Listen, this is fantastic news, and I'm just thinking it's a Wednesday, and the saying is Wednesday's child is full of woe. There your you book go. Was Wednesday's <laughs> child as well. It it's was. all meant to be. But Shane, yes. this book. Let's go back to the book before we just tell them yeah. about what's happening because this is really exciting. You're an accidental author, really, aren't you? And this was the start. Completely. I never had any intention whatsoever of um, being an author at all. I was doing a... I, I had had a, a fairly serious car accident, actually, up around your part of the world. I was living in Drumconris at the time, and I was bringing a video back to the Extravision in RD. And um, I always remember it was the, the, the terrible bloody film, the, the scary movie by the Wayans Brothers. What a, what a film to, to be the responsible for a complete crossroads in my life. And I was on my way back from that night. I literally had a car accident um, going around a corner in the road and ended up off my feet for, for six months and in a wheelchair. Um, so I couldn't do child protection work, got back into teaching. Because I was teaching again, training people to be child protection workers, um, I figured I'd better increase my qualifications. So I decided I was going to do a PhD thesis. So as part of the thesis, I was doing a chapter of theory, like a high-minded academic theory, followed up by a case study to illustrate the whatever academic point was that I was trying to make. So a story, basically, of some child that I'd worked with in my career. And my academic supervisor, who's a lovely man called Dr. Arthur Williamson out of the University of Belfast, said to me that um, these case studies told him far more about what I was trying to say than my academic theory did, which probably says quite a bit about my academic writing. But he said that they warranted being published on their own. So we published them in a couple of journals. They got a great reaction. And then he said, you're going to have to put these into a book. So I did, basically. One afternoon in 2005, I sat down, one Sunday afternoon, I sat down and I took the first three of them and I cobbled them together into sort of chapters with a bit of dialogue, a bit of descriptive passages and whatnot. Um, I initially sent them off to a literary agent who was not interested at all. And then I decided I'd send them into a, a publisher on spec. So I sent them into Gillian Macmillan, and they were really interested, and they pretty much offered to buy them on the spot. Now, I thought that I was going to get one book, which would have my name on the spine. My friends and family would buy it, and that would be that. And I'd go back to my PhD thesis. But in somehow, the book took off, and it went to number one on the bestseller list and stayed there for six weeks. And I got offered a three-book deal after that and uh, did a load of journalism and media work and whatnot. And the rest, as they say, is history. I'll be publishing my 23rd book in January. And uh, 24 and 25 will be coming shortly after that. And now, when this child has been made into a, into a film. This is the big news. Oh, it's a great yeah. story, Shane. It really is a great story you tell. But it's been made into a, a movie. And it showed at the prestigious Galway Film Fla at the weekend. And, 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 tell them. And it won the top prize, the Tiernan McBride Award for Best Dramatic Short. So, I mean, I, I, being, me being me, I went along to the festival thinking, film festivals, you go along, you watch a load of movie, you probably eat a lot of popcorn, have a bit of crack, and everyone goes home. And the film had, had screened, it had its world premiere, got a great reaction, hugely warm and positive response. And I'm standing on the steps with Caroline Harvey. Now, Caroline is the lady who's responsible for getting the film made. She plays Farah in Fair City. And her friend Charlie Bailey, who played Kelly in Fair City and recently came back and played someone else. I can't remember the name of the character she played, though she played another character. She stepped in for them on short notice. The character, I think, had COVID. But anyway, um, I, I was there with Caroline and somebody said to me, you know your movie's been tipped for the top prize. And I kind of said, what prize? I, I didn't even know there was any prizes. So I didn't even hang around for the awards ceremony. I went home. And um, I got a call then from Caroline on the, the, the Sunday to say we'd won the top prize. I thought this was great. I was all excited. And then on the Monday, I got informed by Laura, our director, that what it means when you get the Turner McBride Award is it means that you automatically qualify for the Oscars long list. Right. So that rolled me over. Fantastic. So now you are on a completely different trajectory altogether when you mention Oscars and you're in the mix there. This is just fantastic news. Now, tell me this. You wrote the book and it had to be yeah. adapted, of course, for the screen. And the two ladies from Fair City uh, in particular in, involved in this. Had you much say on that, you know, conversion from page to screen? 
Well, it's interesting, actually. That, that, that's a very interesting question because I have um, one of my other books is, is in development for film at the moment. It's supposed to be start shooting at the end of this year. And that experience kind of scalded me a little bit because I had very little say in what went into that. Um, now, I mean, they were very nice and everything. They would ask my opinion, but um, I would offer it and I think they'd just go off and do their own thing. Now, look, they're very talented people and I kind of said, well, fair enough. But Caroline, um, Caroline read the book when she was 16 and it had a huge impact on her. So, yeah, she sent me the script. Um, I came back to her with comments, all of which she took on board. Um, so, yeah, I had an awful lot of say in what went on. They invited me onto the set and so I got to visit that and see how it was all done, how, how, how it was made, and right the way along. I mean, uh, Caroline would, would message me um, kind of at, at 10 o'clock at night and say, look, I'm, we're working on this bit of the script. Would a social worker do this in this situation? She wants to know what qualifications a social worker would have to have. She wants to know, you know, if this occurred, what would be the next thing that would happen? So even though she had the blueprint of the book, and the, the film is, is effectively the first chapter of the book, it's her first day on the job, her first visit to a family in crisis, and what happens at that visit and the impact that it has on everybody. But she wants to know what went beyond that. So she wanted all of the backstory as well. And that was incredibly gratifying for me to see that she really wanted, herself and Charlie both really wanted to inhabit the characters. And that was fantastic. And of course, she was playing you in the movie. This is fantastic <laughs> news. Yes, she is playing you in the movie, is right. 49 yes. others. You were up. There were 50 uh, movies in this category, and you come up top of the pops, and you're moving on. Oh, Shane, I can see it. Uh, I can see it. The Oscar nights. I can just picture you there on the red carpet going in and being called and being interviewed by everybody. This is a possibility now, isn't it? A real possibility. It is a possibility. I mean, I'm trying not to get over it by that. We're on the long list and I've no idea how many others there are on that. But the fact is we're in the running. And you know, the, the Galway Film Flat is very prestigious. And mm. it, 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 it's one of the feeder um, festivals for the short film section of the Oscars because it attracts films from all over the world, not just Ireland. I mean, of those 50 films, I mean, an awful lot of them were not Irish made. So it attracts yeah. filmmakers from all over the world. Um, yes. So, you know, we're in the running and we were up against some really, really uh, amazing standard of, of, of films. Some had very, very big names in the cast. Uh, so it's very, very flattering, very humbling that we're getting the nod. I mean, we're doing other film festivals now as well. So the film is going to be going on a bit of a tour around other film festivals. Um, so it's, it's and there's talk about, of course, then turning it into a longer project as well. Um, but I can't say too much about that at this stage. But it's really, really exciting. Um, I'm just buzzing at the moment. We all are. I mean, it, it, it feels very unexpected, even though it shouldn't because of the quality of people that we have involved. I'm just thinking the next time I have you with me, should the introduction nearly fill the segment on the show? I have that many things to say about you now. And now I have this to add on to the rest of them. But seriously, Shane, longer, yeah. <laughs> it does, but couldn't happen to a nicer fella. I want to congratulate you again because it is fantastic. It really is. And it just shows you the story of how it all began and where this thing is going now and the new lease of life, as I said, that it is taking. In a general sense, just to touch on a couple of things, before we have to finish up. Um, today, 62,000 children living in poverty in Ireland, uh, the Children's Rights Alliance, food, clothing, not a chance of a treat for these children. Isn't that shocking to contemplate? It is. And, you know, gosh, you and I have talked about this so many times. Yeah. Um, you, look, you look around Ireland, you look around where you're living, and, you know, we see people living in what in other parts of the world could be considered a relative luxury. I mean, welfare, it's tough to live on welfare. It's bloody tough to live on welfare. Um, yes, you know, you, if you're living that way, you don't have to starve. Yet the fact of the matter is there are children in Ireland right now who are hungry. Um, there are families that are living out of food banks. There are families that um, genuinely are worried about where the, the, the rent is going to come from. And the reason for this is, is, is because there are so many other overheads. Um, rent has become so high. We're, we're going through a housing crisis. Um, we're going through a, a, a food crisis because of the fact that the cost of living has, has rocketed up as a result of the Ukraine and all of these other things. And 
the fact of the matter is, as a society, we have not responded quickly enough. And where you've got children that are going hungry, where you've got children that, you know, literally don't know, you know, whether they're going to have enough money to put clothes on their backs, you know, that that's something that we all need to be deeply concerned about. And, okay, you know, we, we have a, a massively overloaded social work and child protection system in Ireland. Um, but there's an awful lot of families that if they, if it weren't for the intervention of a number of different, um, you know, voluntary and charitable groups, um, they, they'd be in a really, really bad way altogether. And, you know, this is something that needs to be examined. And every single one of us um, has a responsibility to think about that and to be, you know, lobbying our politicians, but also on a personal level, um, to sort of help out where we can. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. Um, but, you know, I, I get students that come in to me for interview for social care courses and I'm asking them, you know, look, what voluntary work are you doing? What are you involved with? How are you helping out? Um, because I think all of us has a responsibility to do something um, where you've got a system that's overloaded, where you've got the, prof- you know, there aren't enough professionals out there to help. Well, every mm-hmm. single one of us, if we can help out in some small way, I think we have a responsibility to do that. Yeah, and it really raises a red flag, you know, when you hear those numbers in relation to being on our guard and aware and, you know, to uh, raise an issue if you're worried or concerned about anything as well. It's very important to say that as well, not to turn uh, away and not, you know what I'm getting at, Shane? You know, everybody has a responsibility. Absolutely. If you feel that there's a family in crisis, uh, for whatever reason, I mean, we're talking about poverty here, so we're not saying anybody's being beaten up or anybody's being molested. We're saying the families are just in trouble. You're looking at those kids and you're worried, you know, a child doesn't have shoes or a child is always hungry. I mean, a child who's arriving over to play with your kids and is clearly hungry. Um, You know, you don't have to call social services about that. Call over to your neighbour and see do they need some help. Um, You know, a a lot of the time there's still stigma, I think, in Ireland often attached sometimes to looking for help. I mean, um, agencies like Vincent de Paul or the various different food banks that there are around the place, people can often be too proud to to go there and you know uh, these days I, I, I think you know that that's something that we, we need to be uh, moving away from that stigma we need to be saying you know, that that's yeah. that's okay everybody needs a helping hand every now and again I mean there's that, that very famous saying every single one of us are, are one piece of bad luck away from being homeless or one piece of bad luck away from from poverty and yes. it could happen to anyone and you know we're, 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 it seems sometimes that we're living in a world in free fall. So mm. many crises seems to be just piling up on top of each other, you know. Um, you know, COVID numbers are spiking again. You know, the war in Ukraine is raging. Um, yeah. You know, Britain, the political system over there is, 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 is chaotic. And it's, it's easy to turn away from the news and just say, look, I don't want to know. The fact is we need to inform ourselves. We need to be aware of what's going on. And we need to be looking after one another. The best resource we have as a community is whoever's living next door to you and yeah. you know the world we live in now where we often don't even know the names of the people that are living down the road so um, true you know, reach so out true. reach out yeah reach out and that is a really important message to leave uh, our listeners with and to think about this afternoon listen it's great to catch up with you I'll be talking you too, to you Jerry. again congratulations to Thanks you on Wednesday's Child and best wishes I really do hope you make that Oscar list but we'll be talking before then I'm sure thanks Shane we will of course take it easy Jerry. thanks a million bye bye not at all bye 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 that's the wonderful Shane Dunphy there, such a brilliant, brilliant guy and deserves every iota of success that comes his way. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this midweek, beautiful Wednesday afternoon. Hope you're enjoying yourselves wherever you are this holiday time. Coming up shortly on the show, we meet two young women from County Meath who are vying for the Miss Ireland title this year. Yes, not one, but two from the Royal County in the mix for the title. Stay with us and your Late Lunch. Back to the year 2000. 2000, can you believe it? Like a bird. Made number five in the UK, number nine in the USA. One of our biggest, for sure. Lovely, lovely song, Like a Bird. And the birds are happy, I'm sure, with the weather we're having at the moment. All they need is a drop of water. Don't forget to give them a drop of water because they need the water to survive. Louise, who's going to survive on the Love Island? Mm, All to play for, isn't it? Oh, that one page. I'll tell you last night. She got her comeuppance last night. She really did. I don't think she did anything wrong. I think I think Jack's left the village. I think he made a good choice. And I think he left just to sort his, his, his own self out, as he said himself. 
She pushed him too hard. Oh, she didn't. Oh, she did, Louise. She didn't. Look at what he did to her last week. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on. Boys will be boys, Louise. It's Don't the island. start that. Come on. <laughs> no. Lads will be lads. What that, are you talking about? Yeah, that's a real male thing to say, Jerry. <laughs> Get me goat up now. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to bait you. I'm trying to bait you here today. I'm not. You're, you're keeping your. I'm cool not falling well. for it. Yeah. <laughs> you're not taking it. You're not taking the bait at all. Anyway, uh, that boy that came in. What's his name? The fellow that Adam. was on it before. Adam. I don't like that. Fella. Oh, well, he like was him. put in there to just stir things up, like, and he's doing oh, a yeah. good job. Who's next to fall for his wicked ways? Do you think Paige will drift towards him now? Because he says yeah. he likes her. Yeah, I'd say so. Will she? Yeah, but no, I'd say he's he's he he's wants to split Gemma and Luca. He's going to yeah. have a little go at that first. He will. But what I, about Ekin Ekin Sue? No, 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 no. Her, no, her and David are still going to win. Solid, are they? Yeah. I just feel. Mm. I just want Danica to find somebody. I'm like, he's swearing you. Yeah, it looks like it. Doesn't, sounds like it, doesn't it? It really does. But uh, there you go. Anyway, it's uh, compelling. What am I going to do when, this, when it's over? <laughs> <laughs> There'll be some other rubbish on the telly. Don't worry. True. <laughs> There's never ending haul of it, so there isn't. Anyway, it continues this evening on ITV2 and Virgin, of course. Do you know what I was to say to you? You're a real walker. You power walk, don't you? Yeah. Um, do you know when you look at people out walking and an awful lot of women especially tie their tracksuit top or their gansey round their waist when they're walking, even on the hottest day when you wouldn't need <laughs> anything? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm one of them. Are you? Yeah. Yeah, I Why? went walking on, was it Tuesday evening when it was really, really hot? Was it what day is today? Monday evening. And yeah. I went power walking and I was only wearing a T-shirt and leggings. And I know where to, I, I was carrying my phone in one hand and my keys in the other. I know where to put them. So yesterday I just wore a, a rain jacket because I just put the keys in one and then I had my hands free. But is that why you're telling me most women tie that jacket around their waist, even on the hottest day of the year when they're out walking, to hold their keys and their phone, is it? Well, yeah, well, I'd say so. But it's also a kind of um, self-confidence thing, isn't it? If you're If you're self-aware of your belly or your bummer your thighs it kind of gives a little bit of a disguise you can cover it does it is yeah. that the reason too all right know. so there's a, there's a deep, so. there's deeper know. reason there. I, I think it's like for I, I living, can, but that's me <laughs> well maybe women listening to us today have an opinion on this about tying the gansy around your waist I think it looks naff and I also think it's like the socks and the sandals when it comes to the boys oh it's not that bad no way nearly as no, I don't. Nearly think. as bad. I think it's, it actually looks better than tying it around your shoulders. I think that looks naff. Louise, do you know what you all need? <laughs> A car. I want to bring it back. <laughs> 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 come on now. Come on, you have to do your exercise. I'll tell you what you all need, ladies and gentlemen. A bum bag. Bring back the bum bag. And you won't need to tie that Can around you your waist. Can buy a bum bag these days? Like 20 years ago, they were everywhere. But, Do you remember them? Do you yeah. remember going on holidays with the bum bag and your passport in it and the money and everything and you're afraid of your life someone would rob you and you're tied to your waist? I'd say you can buy a bum bag. I'd say you can. I haven't Have seen, seen one. No. You probably Anyone can. Out there? Or, or what yeah. do people use? I know you can buy now leggings with a little pouch and stuff that you yes. can. But I don't, I don't think they're big enough for a phone like. Yeah. Um, we want to know, can you still buy bum bags? Has anyone got a bum bag? Does anyone use them? Are they consigned to the annals of history? Let us know. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text us. Come on. Jerry. just uh, before, um, I'm just after getting a text here, just to say, say that the music, I don't know whether you noticed, um, the music on Love Island last night was sang and written by Matthew Nolan from Drogheda. Oh, mm. really? There you go. Didn't notice that at all. Thank you, wherever you are, for letting us know. over me. There you go. Nice to acknowledge that. A local link to the island. What about a local link to the bum bags? Anyone sell bum bags? Anyone buy one? Anyone have them at home stuck away somewhere? 086-1800-658. Come on, WhatsApp or text us at the show. We'd love to see. Would you wear them again, though? And would you wear them? That is the point. Would you wear them again? Anyway, on the island... Um, 
I don't know where they'd put anything if there were power walking on Love Island. <laughs> you know, what? I was thinking about that. No, they definitely need the bum bags and they need to tidy things around their waist as well. Anyway, coming up next on Late Lunch, we meet two young women from County Meath and they're in the final of Miss Ireland. Anya Duff and Anna Clark are with us next. Oh, we'll be back to the bum bags for sure. Thank you for getting in touch with us and the Gansies tied around the waist when you're out walking. 086 658 by WhatsApp or text. Now, when I tell you that the Miss Ireland contest is celebrating its 75th year this year, 75 years, the Diamond Jubilee, and great news. We're going to be represented strongly uh, from the Northeast in the final. It's taking place on August 20th in Castlebar's beautiful Royal Theatre. There are 37 finalists and two women from County Meath are taking part and they join me on Late Lunch today. I'm delighted to say hello to Anna Clark and Anya Duff. Welcome to the show, ladies. Hi, Jerry. Thank you for having us on the show today. Not at all. You're both very welcome. Anya, can I begin with yourself and would you tell our listeners how did you get involved with this in the first place? Tell us the story of how you entered. Of course. So really after the last two years that we've had with the pandemic, I I kind of made a promise to myself at the start of this year that I'd say yes to any opportunity that came my way, especially the ones that would scare me or maybe put me outside of my comfort zone. And I know the lady who competed in the Miss Ireland competition and represented me the last year, Kiva Gibney. And so I spoke to her about this and... Really, then I saw the application in February and I said I'd take the plunge to put my name down and really just say yes to that opportunity and see where it would take me. So that's, that's essentially the journey that I took to, to where I am today and I'm very grateful to be here on the radio as Miss Me to 2022. You are Miss Me indeed. And I just see in your CV, you are well positioned, uh, if it were to happen that you won and went on to Miss World, to talk in native languages to many of the other finalists at the Miss World contest, aren't you? Yes, so I completed a degree in University College Dublin, so I graduated with a degree in Spanish and Italian, and that was a four-year degree. So I can speak a few few languages there to, to the contestants, if I'm fortunate enough to get through. It's a great string to have to your bow. Now, I know I'm jumping way ahead of myself here. My God almighty, I have you crowned already. And what am I at today? So there's a lot of water to flow under the bridge between now and then. So look, at your, your qualification is in languages. You have a passion for fashion, though, don't you as well? I do. So after I graduated from University College Dublin, I, I really love fashion. I've loved from a young age. So I decided to complete two courses in Dublin Institute of Design. So that's in fashion styling and also personal shopping and image consultancy. So I really love fashion, have from a young age, and it's also another reason why I applied for, for Miss Ireland. I really want to use my platform and the platform I have now as Miss Mead to really help women of all ages feel good in themselves through the clothes that they wear, and really show women that clothes can be used as a tool for confidence. I really think it's an, it's an important thing. It may be small for some people, but I believe fashion can really give confidence to, to a lot of people. Good on you. Yeah, and you have, you're able to marry, you know, your your studies and what you've qualified at with this as well and bring it all together. Where do you see yourself in the future? So at the moment, I'm currently working as an account associate with a global company. and I'd love to stay with them to build my professional professional experience and knowledge. But I would love to go into the fashion industry in the future. I know in Ireland it's a small industry, but I would love to break into that and use my knowledge really in styling and personal shopping to help the women of Ireland and and hopefully hopefully women of the of the world eventually. <laughs> good on you. Enough. Good on you. Got to aim for the stars. I have you there exactly. already, but it's good to hear that you're you're aiming there as well. Anna Clark, Miss Navin, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for joining me today. Now you are also a graduate of UCD, but in a different field. Yes, so I study sport and exercise management um, in UCD and I graduated last year. So I suppose my background is very much so in the fitness and the sport industry, which I absolutely love. It's really, really my passion. I love helping women find their inner confidence in themselves, find that inner love and get strong, not just in the gym, but also outside of the gym so that they can really step into their full potential and achieve all their ambitions, both personally and professionally. And I really, really love my job and what I do. 
Can I ask you the same question as I put to Anya? For you, how did this come into focus for you, Miss Ireland? Yeah, so a little bit similar to Anya, actually. I also know Kiva Gibney too. We used to dance together when we were younger. And I had seen that she had gone through the competition last year. Um, at the time, I was taking a year out to travel. And I saw the competition. And at the time, I didn't really think too much about it. But then I saw Kiva put up another post. And I was like, wow, that seems really, really interesting. And again, similar to Anya, I wanted to push myself outside the comfort zone, into different boundaries, something that I'm really not comfortable with. And I was like, this is an amazing opportunity and the organisers are so amazing. They give you so many brilliant opportunities. Like I can't, you know, say enough praise for them at all. And um, so that's originally how I got into it. And sure, I'm just absolutely delighted to be crowned Miss Navin and being able to represent, you know, my local town and me. Is, is, it makes me really, really proud. You know, people would often criticise, you know, beauty pageants like, you know, Miss Ireland, Miss World as well. And they think it's just all about the looks, etc. But I've been digging a little deeper into this. And there's certainly a lot more involved, isn't there, Anna, than just parading down, uh, you know, a, a catwalk. Oh, 100 percent. Sometimes I do think there's a bit of a stigma around beauty competitions. But with Miss Ireland, it's really beauty with a purpose. And with a purpose is very dominant in it. Uh, for example, the Miss Ireland organisation have raised €300,000 for charities around Ireland since 1957. So they're really, really, you know, pushing forward charities and, you know, raising funds for, for charities, which is amazing. And we hope to do them well this year too. I, I take it, have you both had to pick a charity and say you're going to work with this particular charity? So Anya, have you picked one? So at the moment, I'm currently in the process of organising events in Mead and also working with a local charity. So I'll have more information on that soon. So I might have to come back online with yourself to, to fill your listeners in on that. But I will be working with the charity and and along with Anna and with the Miss Ireland competition, we work with Variety Ireland. So we have that also as, a, as another charity yes. to work with. Yes. What about you, Anna? Are you, have you specifically focused on anything yet or are you still considering? Yes, I still have a few charities that I'd love to give to all of them. But the same as Anya, just trying to decide at the moment. So we'll both have to get back to you on that one. And and you got together, didn't you? The 37 finalists, Anna, uh, had a big weekend recently where you met the other girls, the other 35 plus yourselves. What what was that like? And you all wore white, didn't you? Yes, it was amazing. Well, we had a really amazing time. Um, we all met and all the girls are absolutely lovely. They're gorgeous both inside and outside, which is really amazing to see. And, you know, genuine connections are made. And I am happy to say that, you know, I have a, a good friend in Anya for life now. So she's a lovely soul inside and out. And genuinely, I'm just so happy and appreciative to have met all the girls. But yeah, we had a blast. The event is in place. We are all in our white. So it's a, it a big launch party for, for the whole uh, organisation, which was really, really amazing. Um, a fantastic night overall. Opportunities that you just don't get on a, on a normal day. So it was definitely a different the night for us. So Anya, between yourself and Anna, you got each other's back. So Mead girls are sticking together in this one. Exactly. Now, as Anna said there, I'm, I'm very grateful to have met her. We only actually met, I'd say, roughly a month and a half ago at the, the Leinster final. So... I'm delighted that we're both together in this journey and that we both can represent Mead and hopefully bring it back to, to the Royal County on the 20th of August. Oh, I hope that uh, you do. And I, I wish both of you all the very best. So between now and then, Anna, what's uh, what's the uh, the story? You have commitments, obviously, being Miss Navin and Miss Mead now and tied in with the national organisation. I presume there are things you have to attend, uh, stuff you have to do. Yeah, so we have, obviously, we're running our own charity events and trying to raise as much awareness and money as possible for our chosen charities. And then we do have a few events running up on, up until the final. Um, but I'm not sure if I can say any much more than that. So you'll have to keep an eye on the Miss yeah. Ireland Org uh, Instagram page and all the social media and the website to keep updated through that. 
Yeah, and I know there are a range of events and all the girls are involved and all take part and you'll get to know each other more as well before the final in Castlebar coming up there in August time. What about uh, on your family, friends and people who know now you're both acknowledged as Miss Meath and Miss Navin respectively? Have you noticed a difference in uh, in their reaction towards you? Or is it just the same on you, same Anna? So they, I must say, they're a bit shocked that I did apply. I applied back in February, and I think I only only mentioned it to family and friends and the wider the wider community that I was taking part a week before the final. So it was a bit of a shock to them, but I must say, and I knew this before, that there are a great bunch of people in my area, and they've been so supportive throughout the process. I really am um, very grateful to them. I've received a lot of messages of good luck, so I'm very very appreciative of that. And I'd also just like to thank. My sponsor for my local area, so PS Supply, sponsored before my application to Miss Ireland. And Patchy is himself, he's based in Lobenstown. So I'm very grateful for the community. They've been very supportive to me. Good on the man, are you? Yeah, I was the same. I was actually adopted into an Irish family when I was one. So the community have known me since I got here at the little age of a baby. And they've really been such a supporting and loving community throughout the years and growing up. So with everything I do and everyone in the local community, we're really, we've got a really good community and support behind us. So when everyone heard here, they were only delighted and, you know, rooting me on. So it's really nice to have that love from the community. Yeah. Lots of love from us here on LMFM Radio as well to both of you. May I wish you all the very best, Anya Duff and Anna Clark. Good luck over the coming weeks running into the final on August 20th in Castle Bar. And I do honestly hope that one of you take home the title to the Royal County and move on from there to the Miss World competition. Good luck to you both. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Thank you very much, Jerry. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. That's Anya Duff there and Anna Clark, two finalists from Meath in the Miss Ireland this year. Two into 37. They have a chance, haven't they? They have. If you work on the law of averages, we wish them well. And a lot involved. You know, it is a pageant and it has its knockers as well and critics, you name it. Uh, But at the end of the day, you know, it can be a platform for a young woman to really make her mark and to go on to the Miss World and perhaps beyond that as well. Well, something else and an opportunity they're going to grasp, I'm sure, with both hands. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this midweek Wednesday afternoon. We're coming back to your bum bags and my thoughts on the Gansey tied round your waist. Thank you indeed to everybody who's been in touch with us. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Still to come on the show today, we're talking to Danny Drury after three o'clock and the whole issue of rat poison and its wider implications for wildlife. We're touching on that in late lunch today. And of course, my focus on Madonna continues. Back in a moment, and it's sure to be a bummer. Well, Louise, you have all the messages there. Is it a bummer or not? Yes, yes, on on uh, both fronts. <laughs> oh, in terms very good. of the, the um, bum bag, um, a few people texted in and said, Yes, got one in Spain three weeks ago, and I use it on holidays. Uh, Mm. Somebody else said, got some in pennies. I use them for concerts and GAA matches. And um, somebody else said, yeah, Sports Direct. So I think. So they're still on the go, the bum bag. Mm. I had a look kind of at at some pictures and that, and uh, they haven't changed. Like there's no update in design or anything like that. So there you are. I thought they were a thing of the past, consigned to history. They're not. It's good to hear that people are still using them. They're very handy. You know what I mean? They keep things neat and tidy. Now, what about the Gansey tied round the waist? Yeah, a few people commented and kind of said, one said, Jerry, it's to cover their bum. And somebody else said, yeah, a lot of people just kind of tie it round their waist if they're anyway, you know, self-conscious about about their hips or bums or that kind of thing, bellies. So that's the idea behind it. It's nothing to do with perhaps a shower uh, starting to fall and keeping you dry or you might get a little cold out walking. It's a disguise. Mm. That's what you're telling me. I'd say it's also if you're going out there with 
two kids hanging out of you and 16 yes. bags, it's just easier to put it around your waist <laughs> than try and carry that as well. It certainly is. And, and there you go. Anyway, so that's the real reason behind it. It's just something I notice a lot of people have have it tied around the waist when they're out walking. And I often wonder what it's about when it's a lovely day and there's not much rain in, in on the horizon or things like that. So there you are. You learn something every day. That's not definitive answer because a lot, of, a lot yeah. of young kids I see um, go around with. Do it as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah young yeah, girls you as go. well. So, just a fashion anyway, thing as well. Something, something I never did. There you go. But anyway, horses for courses and good luck to you if you do it. Let and you, you stick don't. to the sandals on, yeah. the, on the socks. <laughs> That's one thing you'll never see me in. Never, ever, You're ever. probably sitting at home with them on right now. <laughs> I have my lovely, I, I beg your pardon, I have a lovely sketcher runners on here. So I have supporting my arches. They're, they're very nice. I must take a picture and send it to you just to tell you that I'm telling the truth. Anyway, yeah, that's a show I'd keep an eye out for tonight on BBC One, nine o'clock. The real Mo Farah is the name of the programme. And Mo Farah, one of the most successful British athletes of all time, tells his story, a very personal story, that he is not actually Mo Farah, that he was Hussein Abdi Khan, who uh, was brought to Britain at nine years of age. And, uh, well, watch it this evening and the story will unfold. But he's telling something that he's carried with him for years and years at this stage. And it's sure to be so interesting. I'm going to keep an eye out for it myself this evening. Now, my artist of the week, all week this week, is Madonna. And besides her phenomenal musical successes, Madonna her popularity was also enhanced by movies like Desperately Seeking Susan, Dick Tracy, A League of Their Own and Evita. And for Evita, she won a Golden Globe for Best Actress. So she picked up a, a very major award there for, for that particular one. She is also the best-selling female recording artist of all time. Listen to this, more than 300 million sales worldwide something else she's the most number ones for a woman in several countries including the uk and of course she's rock and roll hall of fame one of the artists included in the 100 greatest of all time and today let's remind ourselves of our brilliance going back to our debut album and this one from 1983 Madonna and Holiday on your late lunch this Wednesday afternoon. My artist of the week. And if you're on holiday, welcome to the Northeast. If you're here enjoying your time, great to have you with us. Or if you're heading off on holiday somewhere uh, over the coming days, enjoy your break away because it is, of course, peak of the holiday season, July and August. And God bless the weather. It's going to be good for anybody coming here over the next uh, few days. The heat is rising. You're at late lunch on LMFM Radio this Wednesday afternoon and we head to our final Final break of the day on the show. We're finishing on wildlife on late lunch this afternoon. And in particular, we're going to talk about rat poison for the next while and the danger it poses to other creatures. Yes, you can nail the rat, but other creatures prey on the rat for their food. And when they ingest it, well, it's not good news. I'm delighted to welcome to late lunch Danny Dury from the Barn Owl Project. Hello, Danny. Hello, George. Thanks for having me on your show. Not at all. Great to have you with us. And I know you. there's a big petition going about this at the moment. Will you tell us first, uh, rodenticides we're talking about here, rat poison, and they're used extensively in Ireland. How do we compare with, let's say, the UK? Do we use less or more here? Well, the figures that we're hearing is that we use about four times as much here as we as do in the UK. So um, going on the tests that we see in the UK, we expect the numbers to be higher here with secondary poisoning. So we, we, um, that's kind of the figures we're going off now. And obviously we're looking for um, more testing to be done in Ireland to call that out, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, we have an online petition going. And I suppose rather than going into all the detail of what we're looking for, if people want to go into the, the Barnard Project uh, webpage, Facebook page, you'll see the petition there and you can read through it and you get a bit of background as to you know the, the data we use, the figures we use and what we're looking for from government for more testing done on birds and all predatory animals, because a lot of wildlife are affected. 
and it's not just wildlife you know you've got domestic animals like your cats dogs stuff like that like so we need to we need to have a better understanding of it and we need to have a conversation about it basically like what we see um, on the ground is you know mm. is pretty obvious that secondary poisoning is big in Ireland and we, as I said, we need more testing to carry that to, to show that out, so to speak. Well, when you talk about owls alone, if you uh, just look at the stat from the UK that eighty-eight percent of barn owls alone in the UK are suffering from a secondary poisoning and we use four times as much here well i should think about the numbers that it's actually affecting here and that's just in the barn owl population because there are other predators as well who feed on mice and rats and they are experiencing the, the consequences you said that testing is one thing what else are you calling for testing one what else uh, we're also looking at, at the packaging labeling so if you go into a, a store to buy a pack of the cigarettes you know, the branding is there. It tells you the dangers of it. If you walk into a store and buy uh, your rat poison or dinocide, it doesn't really highlight the dangers that it has for uh, other wildlife when it comes to secondary poisoning and stuff like that. So we're looking for that to be highlighted on the forefront of the packaging. Um, that's something that can be done on government level, and we're calling for that. Um, it's more about awareness. Uh, a lot of people we speak with wouldn't be too familiar with secondary poisoning, and we need people to understand that that when you put out rat poison, it's not just the rat you're targeting. Obviously, you're targeting the rat, but indirectly, you're also targeting other wildlife. And even in the UK, they're now saying that um, garden birds and stuff like that are are showing signs of redendocide in their system because, we'd say, the slug would have a go at the rat poison. And then, obviously, the garden bird would pick up the slugs and stuff like that. Like So, you know, again, we need... have an under, we need to go back to the start and have a you know what we're trying to do here is to is to play catch up with the UK. You know I don't think it's a, an unreasonable request to ask that we we set aside a, a couple of years of just testing any animal that's found dead on the road, any predatory animal that's found is picked up, is brought into a test lab and is tested to see if there's a show any residents or residues of um redundant and then we can have a conversation about it. But like that we're only catching up with the UK. Uh, we know we know we already have a fair idea that if we're using four times the amount here in in Ireland, you know we expect the numbers to be high. You know it'll be definitely into the low nineties, ninety percent of barn owls, and that's just barn owls alone. Mm. Um, so barn owls kestrels will be the biggest. Um, yeah, so, uh, so yeah, they are they are the main ones that the focus is on, but there is other. So testing, dangers on the packaging. What else? You have four four uh, things you're calling for in particular. What are the other two? Yeah, so like we were saying, really, like you know, uh, redundancy should be only used by professional people. You know what I mean? They have to be properly trained. Um, the other thing is looking, we we're looking for sales to be logged. So like, if you go to a chemist and you you know you order some products, you know you have to go through kind of a process where you you know they're the, the, the relay the dangers to you. You know what I mean? Mm. What should happen is, say, if you're going to buy redundancy, you know, you should fill out a log, and that's kind of kept there then you know I mean at least we know then in certain counties you know there's the amount of sales that were identified in each county and then you can narrow it down a bit more at the moment it's a bit too broad and it's hard to pinpoint whereas if we see we see animals turning up in certain counties that would you know show us higher signs that were identified we can go back and see well why is that the case and we can see then that you know there's a higher amount of sales in certain certain areas you know what I mean and hone in on that area then and then provide more education. It's more targeted uh, education, than, if you know what I'm saying. Yes. Um, so, yeah, yes. It's, it's, all, it's purely all about education. We're, you know, we're not looking for this to be outright banned. Uh, you know, mm. we live in the real world. But what we're saying is that when people pick it up, they need to understand that it will affect. <clears throat> it's not it may, it will. Secondary poisoning is huge in Ireland. <clears throat> and we see that in the ground every day. We're picking up animals, bringing them into, the, into our rehabilitators, you know, we have barnos that have died, you know, juvenile barnos that have died. You know, some will re- recover if we get them in time. Um, but if you if you were driving down the road, this is how serious it is or how bad it's gone. If you were driving down the road and you hit a barnow and you know you hit him with a car and he's still alive and you bring him down to a rehabilitator, you know, for, for assessment, the first thing they'll do is they'll treat him for redundancy, regardless, because it's so out there that they assume that that bird has redundancy in their system. And so the trees are straight away. That's nearly the first thing to do. And then, you know, after that, then the you know the bird will recover. But you know, it's it's sad state of affair when it's gone that bad that you have to assume that the bird has has redundancy in their system. Um, I know falconers would say that would train falcons. They'd have their birds out, 
the board picks up a mouse, the mouse is taken off the board because the fear is that you know the bird will you know will pick up rodenticide, and these are natural predators, and and the same applies for say for my cats at home. I see a cat with a shroom is mouth, I take the shoe off, and you know it's made yeah. a great YouTube video of me trying to wrestle a mouse off, but because I don't know if my neighbours are using it or not, so mm. you know these are natural predators that will you know and we're I suppose we kind of lost the run of ourselves a bit, and what we're saying is we need to kind of go back and rely upon the natural predators, you know, like the barn owls and stuff like that. And that's what we do. We we go into farms and stuff like we, you know, we do a lot of work with barn owls. And, you know, we put up yes. boxes. We talk to farmers, and it's about mm. getting the information out there that a barn owl, you know, a barn owl will kill about six to eight mice every night. There's no mm. way a poison or a snap trap would ever do that. You know what I mean? Yes. You know, just, yes. You know, we obviously we would say use the snap traps as, as an alternative. Um, yeah. without using poison but if you if you have barn owls on your farm straight away you know you need to look at talk to your neighbours talk to you know and, and, and say you know find out if they're using rat poisons because yeah, barn owls would do far more damage to rodents than any poison than any poison you're talking about yes okay yeah. so Danny let's leave it there today the barn owl project Facebook page the petition is there yeah so it's there and it's on our website as well we're on all social media platforms and right. I would urge anybody that you know, all your listeners today and beyond if you could please uh, sign the petition, you know, have a read of it yourself, you know, yeah. um, we're open to all comments and um, no problem at all, yeah. you know what I mean, we'll accept any any views or that, but yeah, if you could sign the petition, you know, and, and again, it, it goes down to domestic animals as well, your pets, your dogs, yeah. your cats and all that. Sort it of affects stuff. everybody. I, I, and we, do, and we don't say. know yeah. if our neighbours are using Redemocide or not, you know what I mean, and okay. that's where the problem is. It's Lovely, thank you for joining me on the show today. Do appreciate okay, it, Danny. Much, okay. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The Barn Owl Project, the petition is there, folks. Coming up on Late Lunch tomorrow, Emily O'Byrne is joining us, a young emerging tennis star from County Meath. Catherine Lord is with us, a professional nanny. And we hear about the uh, coming, the return of, should I say, the Drogheda Chamber Awards and more besides. Eddie Caffrey's coming next here on LMFM. We leave you today. In the company of Mr. Harry Styles. See you tomorrow, 1.30. Gravity's holding me back. I want you to hold out the palm of your hand. Why don't we leave it at that? Nothing to say. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns.